We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Evan here with, actually, I got a, I got a, I got a group of people here, so this is actually a little bit different. We don't normally uh, do it this way, but uh, John Smithwick, our speaker, has uh, graciously uh, asked to join us, and uh, we're, we're super thrilled about that. We'll jump into that here in a minute, but as always, I have with me uh, Matt Schrader. Matt is, uh, I'm actually, I was thinking about it, and I don't think we're giving Matt like actual justice of who he is. Matt is a he hails from Broken Arrow, but he's also a state champion uh, football player, if I remember correctly. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he has the cleanest windows in Broken Arrow. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm so glad that you're here today, Matt. This, you, just, you bring so much to the podcast. I'm really excited about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're welcome. Of course, Evan, I'll be here <laughs> to mentor you along the way. Um, I am a state champion football coach. I did not coach. actually play coach, okay. for a state champion team. Uh, other Some other championships in coaching, but... Mostly, the big one is the big ring, uh, the state high school state football championship. Yes, I did that. That was many, many years ago. I know that was tongue-in-cheek, but I do have the cleanest windows in my neighborhood <laughs> because my, so my commitment in window cleaning was to be the guy who did the stuff at home, even though he also did it at work. Oh, okay. And then when that commitment quickly failed, my wife picked up the, uh, the torch, if you will, and also expected me to be the committed to that. So I clean the windows every week, the ones she looks through at least. And oh, okay. Strategic. Yeah, I like so, it. <laughs> uh, they are. They are. You can go look at my windows right now, and um, you, they are clean, spot-free and streak-free, outside of a little dust from whatever day it was that I cleaned them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. No, I, I was just thinking about the today. I was like, man, I need to introduce Matt better. I think that'll – Give him a little little bump, get a little energy going. But uh, <laughs> yeah. now for John, I don't have as as a eccentric uh, introduction, but I will say this, uh, John. I, I don't know if you listened to our last podcast all the way through, but um, we were a little unsure if we were going to get John Wick or John Smithwick <laughs> so to uh, to the Brotherhood breakfast, and then I we just kind of narrowed it down to about a fifty fifty chance of having yeah. either John Wick or John Smithwick. So we're <laughs> thrilled that you're here, but. Uh, as I was kind of thinking about it, you know, John Wick was sending a lot of people to heaven, I think. And, uh, and I think that was kind of in line with your mission as well. I uh, love you it. You guys work together. That's great. Yeah. No, it's, just... it's, so, it's so great to be on the recap with you guys, the podcast. Uh, I actually use that as um, kind of a point of helping people know, learn and know my name. I say, hey, the most common name in America probably is John Smith. I'm not John Smith. And I'm, I'm not John Wick, even though, you know, have that same studly level of, you know, intensity. No, but John Smithwick. So anyway, great, great touche there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, um, John, John is the founder of Global Ventures. He's traveled the world preaching the gospel. If you listen to uh, the, the podcast before this, the breakfast that he spoke, you, you kind of got a little bit of a taste of it. But um, man, just I didn't realize that. Tulsa was uh, a, a hub to global ventures and, and all the different nations that you're reaching the, with 35 nations. You've done missions trips since 2002 to date 2,600. Uh, that was on your website. So I don't know if, I don't know if that number has obviously probably gone up since then. Uh, 25 countries around the world, um, 2.4 million souls reached through the gospel. So man, our, our spiritual level of this podcast just went up with just, just you having, uh, having you on the show. <laughs> That's awesome. No, so great to be here. And the journey's been awesome. It's uh, humbling when I just see all the epic things that the Lord's done in all these years. It truly is a proverbial um, path of just plodding onward, 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 uh, you know, and just um, never, never stopping in that kind of missional purpose and wanting to change lives and make an Im impact in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um it's great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John, I got one more thing for you, and then we'll actually jump into the missional purpose, because that's really the, the, the meat of, of what you're talking about and what you're doing. You did mention that you you, you get mistaken for Hulk Hogan <laughs> and Optimus Prime. And yes. so I was just wondering, you know, as a little 
little podcast exclusive. I got a couple of Hulk Hogan quotes. I was wondering if maybe you could uh, indulge us a little bit. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I Come on, man. No, this is for sure. me. This is for me. Surprise the man. Ooh, <laughs> man, baby. What are you going to do with the biggest arms in there the WWF? Wrap around you. 24 inch Remember, pythons. Kids, 24 inch <laughs> pythons come after you. Remember, kids, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and do well in school. And don't forget Hulkamania, baby. Okay, brother. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, I mean, oh, Hulk, Hulk called everybody. Uh, he called brother. everybody brother. So this, he started yeah, the right, brotherhood. Man. He the literally brotherhood. started the brotherhood. That's Here's right. What we need to do. All right. I I love Stephen Posey. He does our little intro. But John, we might have to reach out to you when we update our intro. Uh, hey. To, to gr- officially greet the brotherhood. Would love that. Would That's love a great that. Idea, actually, Evan. <laughs> Anytime. Well, you're one for the day. Good job. Man. Oh man. You're done. Right. You can clock Matt's going to take home. over from here. Matt's going to take <laughs> over from here. I'm just going to uh, you know sit, step back and, and pull back. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, we, we've stalled enough and uh, you know had a little bit of fun, but uh, I do want to talk about missional purpose because you know John, as you spoke, um, I don't know if you know this, but it was like. It was like a gigantic data download of missional purpose in a, about 30 minutes. So, you know, I want to I want to try to pull back a little bit uh, and jump in. Uh, I do want to tie it a little bit to you know some of the other speakers that we've had in the past because, you know, when, when we're looking at Greg Scott, and Marty Sloan, and, and some of the other guys that have come in, there there definitely has been a bit of a theme. And so my goal is to try to weave as much of it together as possible. And I, I think uh, getting into missional purpose ties into uh, to what Marty was talking about. I think that was what two, three, three months ago, where we where you talked about like we are called, we are chosen, that that whole thing. I, I think that calling that Marty was talking about. This is a uh, elaboration of that and an expansion of that, where it really really dials in a little bit more to what our calling is. Uh, I, I feel like we we're looking for our internal purpose. You know, you have your missional purpose and your personal purpose that you talked about. But with Marty specifically, I, I think one of the one of the things that we're trying to do as men and as a brotherhood is is to really tap into like why were we created? What's our purpose for being here? How do how do we how do we fully walk through that so that you know we get to the end and we hear the you know well done my good and faithful servant and ultimately uh, being in a place where we feel like we've li- you know, lived our best life or or, or maximized our potential or whatever else so. Uh, I love that you came in and, and really dug a little bit deeper in, into calling um, yes. because I think sometimes I think personally my calling is tied to my occupation, my family, just a lot of that stuff. But then when we get into like a true missional purpose, um, I'm going to be honest for me, it, it drops off quite a like, little, little bit. Like it's, it's like, sure. uh, you know, I'm just trying to survive here. And uh, I think it's good to have that reminder of like, you know, the, uh, uh, what was it called? The uh, the Great Commission, go into the world and preach the gospel. I think sometimes, especially as men, like we don't think about that as much as as maybe we should. No, I think I think that's spot on, Evan. And even even though we were pursuing the early days of of me going into full time ministry and traveling around the globe, leading teams of teenagers, and then marrying Martine, and then she and I began to travel and. Uh, we were we were gone more than we were in Tulsa, and when I got back to Tulsa, the Lord really stirred in my heart. Uh, you know, hey John, I I gave you this revelation years ago when you were single, and you were wanting to get out more to the nations. That world evangelism does start at your front doorstep, and the Great Commission starts right outside you know your front door or right at where you you call your work, your office, uh, with uh, PTAs, uh, parents, neighbors, friends. Uh, people you might uh, play golf with, wh- whatever you know, sphere of of life and day to day life that you find yourself in, and so he really stirred for me to reach out to my neighbors. And one of the things I, I mentioned there at the breakfast was it is the Great Commission; it's not the Great Suggestion. Jesus uh, totally knew what he was saying when he gave kind of those last orders from headquarters. The very reason he came was to purchase salvation of the world, but the world. Uh, doesn't get that salvation or isn't made aware of it without without the link of us. And we as men, men of God, if we're true Christ followers, then the number one uh, kind of earmark when he recruited the original 12 and then on was, come follow me, I'll make you what? Fishers of men, influencers of people, leading people to him and knowing his, his abundant life. And so 
that is something that should be a, a top number one attribute uh, the more that we follow Christ is making him known. And so for me, when that challenge came, as busy as we were, as much as we were outside of Tulsa as in Tulsa, I started reaching out and developing a relationship with the neighbors at the time. Um, they were live-ins. They weren't, you know, obviously going to church at all and just invited them over, started building a relationship. And then at Christmas time, uh, it was back in the day, those that um, have history with Church on the Move remember Christmas train. And so yeah. Martina and I were like, let's just invite our neighbors to Christmas train. And after they went through the whole thing, they sat, we were, got back in our car, we drove there and um, they both just opened up their hearts and uh, how they wanted more of what they had just experienced. And man, God just showed up right there in our car. Uh, both had like problems with one had, um, the lady had problems with her back really badly. And uh, the, the man, he, he had problems with, uh, with like a shoulder. Anyway, God touched them. It was years ago and they felt his presence and power just touch and heal them. And just as we kept checking in with them, man, he came out and found me on the, I was pulling out of the driveway and he came up and said, Hey, you know, that really made a difference in our lives. And, um, we, we know we haven't been living the way we should. We're going to make it right. We're going to go to that church that you took us to. So they started going to church on the move. They said, we're, we're signed up to go through premarital class. And they wound up getting married and everything. It was really amazing. And then he wound up, we, we moved to another house uh, further back in that neighborhood, um, right outside Tulsa. And one day he worked a FedEx job. One day he showed up with a fellow uh, worker and said, hey, this guy's got a wrist arm problem lifting so many packages at FedEx would you pray for him? And right there in my front lawn, just didn't feel anything, just simply being obedient uh, to Jesus saying, share, and, and these signs will follow them that believe, part of the Great Commission. Uh, that coworker instantly was healed and wound up praying with him right on the spot. He had an encounter with Jesus. And so these things became more and more uh, a lifestyle build-in just in my everyday life and not just um, when I would go overseas. Uh, so yeah, uh, very, very intentional and, and love it and passionate about it because it, it really is, uh, it's food to the soul. Uh, Jesus said that in John four to his disciples after encountering the woman at the well that I have bread, I have meat is actually what he said. I have meat to eat that you know not of. He didn't say milk. He said meat, the big heavy stuff. And he just had transformed that lady's life, uh, who was totally a, a hot mess and, so if it was meat for the master, how much more is it meat for us that are walking in his footsteps following him? Yeah, well, that's where it hit my proverbial front doorstep is that message right there. As I started thinking about the guys I work with, the people I'm around, and am I, and I'll just say, when I say guys I work with, I'm the boss. So I think about all the guys that come in and out of my team. And I think, man, am I making an eternal impact? Are they at least getting some kind of touch of Christ, a taste of the Lord and see how he's good kind of deal in my life? And it challenged me. You know, how can I be more? That's what I've been working on over the last few weeks since you spoke is how can I just be more like remove the barriers? Go with me as I'm painting this picture. It's like I have these walls that are up. And I don't mean like this start wall that they can't see me just little filters that kind of filter me so that I'm not as Christian-y as they maybe are concerned about, or maybe I'm not the weirdo at work. Like it's these little thoughts that come into sure. mind. And I, you know, I've just started to have the courage to be like, you know, what? I'm just going to remove that. You know, I, I don't know that they're that impressed with me anyway, that if they think I'm a little weird, <laughs> it is what it is. Like it's probably just my own pride and ego in the first place. I was but I've been just removing those layers because, man, guys come in and out of here. And I think have they, has, have they had an opportunity for Christ to deposit something in them, mm. even though I'm woefully inadequate? And I don't say that to try to sound humble. It's because I run out of words. I don't feel like, like when you tell that story, I'm like, that never happens for me. Like I always say it and they just stare at me. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Let's. Let's just talk about football. Let's move on. You know, that's just, that's my world uh, right there. That's what I feel like when I'm trying. You know, brother, I, I actually 
uh, had a similar start. Um, the story I shared at the Brotherhood breakfast of just stepping out the front, you know, door of my apartment. I was in my single years, and I developed those relationships. Of, you know, I shared about upstairs and really crazy, you know, blended family situation. Just him being the man of the home being released from prison right as I was moving in and him moving in and him having that silver skeleton necklace hanging around his chest and just kind of, you could tell he's got like kind of wild and crazy and a big, he had a big Bowie knife strapped to, I mean, long, you know, Bowie knife strapped to his hip. And, you know, my mom and dad were helping me move in. I was just what briefly a year or two out of college or what have you. And, um, you know, moms care about their sons and daughters too. And they were like, whoa, man, your neighbors or something else. And I was like, yeah, they just need Jesus. And as I developed a relationship, um, I mean, he'd take me through all his dark writings and Stephen King novels up there when I'd go up bringing a tray of cookies at Christmas time that I'd bought, you know, just right down the road. I was a bachelor at the time, so I didn't bake or anything. <laughs> um, but began to see them open up. And on that front doorstep, when it was his son that had already dropped out of school, or stepson and in and out of gangs, they kind of looked at me with that same look that you're talking about, Matt. I mean, they just stared, and uh, I just kept taking steps, and it felt awkward. Um, I, I think when I began to share with them what I'd just seen the Lord do in a church service that I'd ministered at, and that we see miracles when we travel a little bit here and there and around the world and had just seen the Lord do some miracles in that service, they kind of were gawking at me, and it was um, the young man that lived upstairs, his friend. Uh, he was Caucasian. His friend was African-American. And then a third individual, kind of a just an acquaintance that lived in that apartment complex, was actually from China. So kind of had this cool, um, diverse crowd of neat people in front of me. And so definitely they, they kind of just were looking at me, and I was uncomfortable. I didn't feel the anointing or any surge of heaven, whatever you want to call it. But I just kind of kept taking stabs at it. And I said, hey, guys, I'll prove it to you. Do any of you have a problem in your body right now? Are you hurting? And I, again, had no Holy Spirit insight to this is the way you should go. It was taking a stab in the dark and very awkward, the feeling. But then when... I'll call the young man, I won't, I won't say his full name just um, for confidentiality or what have you, but let's just say his name was Ken, the young African-American man. He, he, that's when he looked up and he said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I've, I've had an injury in my shoulder, hurt my shoulder doing gymnastics. And I just, again, I didn't feel anything, just being obedient to the word. Mark 16, 15, all the way down through verse 20 talks about you know, the signs that will follow them that believe as we share the gospel. And so laid hands on his shoulder, said a brief prayer, uh, even after didn't really feel anything. But I asked him to check himself. I said, go ahead and move it around. See how you feel. And man, God had met him. He instantly was healed. He got so excited, you know, like we shared at Brotherhood. Breakfast, he ran out and did that ac acrobatic move, the flip-flop move and came running back and and then moments later, he was praying the prayer of salvation. No, the other two guys didn't. My upstairs neighbor, uh, we'll call his name Will. Um, we won't use their full accurate names. But uh, Will was like, no, that's when he told me we, we've got a family religion, white magic. You know, we're, we, we do white witchcraft or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, and then God wound up touching him. Um, you know, just took the opportunity. He said, well, Lord, just make your power Make yourself real to my friend Willie. Just said that brief prayer. I said, you know, God's a gentleman. He won't force you to do anything. And I think that's one of the things, fellas, that takes pressure off, realizing that we are just, uh, as the old Christian rock group was called, newsboys. We are just the ones that share the news. We're not responsible to do more than share and take those opportunities. God will meet us and even more so meet them and show himself as real and strong on their behalf. I had no idea I'd come home from work, working at Impact Productions, a, a ministry, uh, to have him run up and say, man, when you said that prayer afterwards, I realized what you prayed about, God did something for me, that your God's real, and 
my knee's not hurting. I, he had had a knee injury for about six months that I'd totally forgotten about. And he, that's when he made that statement. I went walking all over the hood, looking for a job, went to Walmart and noticed my knee's not hurting. And that opened the door for me to wind up bringing them to, to, uh, to student ministry back then to 180, both he and Ken, Will and Ken, the young Chinese man, just to show the whole spectrum, like you're saying, uh, he didn't want anything to do with it. It didn't go any further. And that's, you know, it's unfortunate, but that is the will that God's gifted every human being. We can't force anyone, um, but God sure, sure will show himself as real if, if people just are even half open. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that was definitely one of the things I wanted to hone in on is uh, like the the statement that you said, God, you know, make your make your power real to these to these uh, to these friends of mine. And I think that takes a little bit of the pressure off. Right. Like we, I think, are thinking like, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go talk to these people and I want to share my faith. But really, you're just opening a door for, for God to move. And I think sometimes what happens is, is we just think, all right, I'm going to share this story and they're going to go. All right, Evan's one of those guys, and uh, you know he's exactly right he's, he's got his he's got his soapbox, you know, on on uh, on a string. He's gonna pull it out and go stand on it and start preaching at me. But I, I think uh, maybe changing the perspective a little bit of like just hey God, I'm gonna allow you to work and and allow you to do this not not what I'm doing, but but what your what your will is, and this is what you've commanded us to do. That's that's the uh, the great exploits as as you, you put it out there. Um, but I do want to. I want to. I want to plug into two things that you that you brought up, and I'd love to have you expand a little bit upon them. Um, what one of them was uh, just being with God, and just the the importance of being plugged in, and 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 that, I think that gives you the confidence. But it also, like you've quoted a couple of scriptures that, like with boldness, I would say, or with with the confidence to say, like God, if I share your gospel, this is what's going to follow. Like it's cause and effect. Like if I do, if I'm obedient to you you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And I think that for us, that relationship, and I, I think maybe that's partly where, uh, you know, we might not be as willing to share is maybe like our relationship isn't as deep as, as really it should be. And so that's where that uh, insecurity comes into play. It's like, well, yeah, I, I, I want to be more tied into sharing my faith with other people but it's hard for me to do that if not if I'm not spending you know the time, you know, in, in God's Word and spending time with God. It's more of a transactional relationship as as opposed to a personal relationship. So I, I think that that plays into it a little bit. So you know the goal would be like, hey, you know, God has this um, missional purpose for us. But I think the first part of that missional purpose is pursuit, right? Pursuing God. That's right. And once we do that, then that opens the door for us to bring other people in. So that was kind of the first thing. The other thing that you brought up was was like the Lester Summerall um, analogy uh, or story where he was talking about people just uh, falling off a cliff and dying and those the the their blood being on your hands a little bit morbid a uh, little bit more John Wick than John Smith Wick if I'm being honest but uh, <laughs> I, I think it made the point for us which is like we have this responsibility I mean we talked about the like the whole reason that Brotherhood was created a long time ago um, was the whole sections idea of an empty seat, uh, empty seat is a big deal. And it wasn't necessarily the same thing of like, Hey, there's blood on these seats, guys. Like you like, these are dead people that are not, <laughs> not in here. But I think, I think wow, the, uh, wow. Hey, I, I, that, I think yeah, that's I mean, why it's not this that's kind why, of podcast. I mean, we that's have why that's, here. I mean, come on. Yeah. We'll have to put mature <laughs> on, on this, uh, on the rating for this one. But I, the, I think the, uh, the message is the same. And honestly for our audience, it's, you know, for the, for the guys in the group, it's it's probably a a more um, jarring message that we need to hear, as opposed to maybe like you know general congregation message of a bit, uh, empty seat is a big deal. But I, points made, right? So, you know, you said that marked you, and I think that you know for us, I think it marks all of us, right? Like we know, we we understand it, but I, I think there's definitely. Um, spiritual giftings and spiritual callings and and so like I, w- I want to let some guys off the hook it's like hey your your job is not to replicate global ventures multi- like across the world and do all those different things there's definitely people that are called to that but your calling may be your neighborhood your calling may That's be your right. family your calling may may be just your small circle of influence and so so don't just write it off say okay I'm off the hook I don't have to do anything because like you said John there is a judgment coming and it, there's a 
it sounds like it's a multifaceted judgment, which I guess I haven't really thought of it this way. The, the first one is, is, you know, just judgment of sin and, and uh, you know, basically, you know, Christ's death for us and, the, you know, the gospel, the good news, that, that whole story. And, you know, being able to walk in front of God blameless because of Jesus. But I think the other part of the, the judgment that we don't think about, and, and judgment feels like it's such a heavy term, but is like, hey, what did you do with my message? What did, like, you were saved for a purpose. What did you do with it? And that's where that's... it might be a little bit of crickets. So I'm, I'm just hoping, like, maybe I'm not going directly after you because I feel like, you know, there's going to be this huge, like, celebration of, you know, millions of people influenced for the gospel. And then it's going to be Evan. Hey, I had a podcast that I did with, with Matt, and uh, we reached hundreds of people. <laughs> so, no, that's, so. that's, really, that's really powerful and true, what you, what you just pointed out, Evan. Uh, not everyone is going to be, be able to live the life ministry that John or John and Martine Smithwick have uh and i i fully actually agree not everyone is assigned to go to, uh, for life you know as their occupation as their missional uh, ministry whatever you want to call it all around the world all the time preaching the gospel from stages and in and out of schools yet everyone of us that is a christ follower we've we've tasted that amazing life transformative new birth in Jesus. And we know, man, we just passed from death to life. We're no longer riddled on the inside with sin. And and that is the first huge, huge thing for every human being on the planet is, uh, and when you get into kind of the meaning, the nuances of what Jesus is saying in Mark 16, 15, go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You get into the different translations. Um, like the Amplified Classic says, every member of, I believe it reads something like every member of the entire human race. I have it written here, so I don't want to mis, misquote it. And I think I alluded to it in in the actual breakfast uh, sharing that morning. But uh, yeah, to every creature of the whole human race is how it's actually written. So it does give that connotation that, man, if there were one on the other side of the planet that still has not heard the gospel then we are duty bound in the church to find a way to get the gospel to them because Jesus God paid such an ultimate price in what God the Son Jesus came and did. But that starts just fulfilling the Great Commission in our day-to-day lives. It starts exactly with where you said our sphere of influence. It does start with our neighbors, um, our co-workers, and just finding and even creating ways to uh, make that overture to them that, and, and I love to tell everyday guys, um, because I was right there. My hands got sweaty. My heart started racing the very first time I started sharing with people that were all up in my personal day-to-day life space, not, not someone in another culture through a translator, um, that instantly kind of looks and admires maybe even an American like, Whoa, what do they have to say? but someone that there's real emotional risk with day to day. Um, Like those coworkers, Matt, I think you were touching on that. But I think when we share just first out of what he's done for us, just our own testimony, that it it instantly takes away that soapbox effect that uh, you guys had just touched on, that it's like, man, this happened to me. This just happened this last week. And it really does tie back to a personal intimate walk with Jesus, um, the whole point there in Mark 3, when he calls the 12 to him, that first call was to be with him, and then he sent them forth uh, to do the works of Jesus. And to I don't even know if I ever shared the second part of that verse in the Brotherhood Breakfast, but he appointed 12 that they might be with him, uh, Mark 3, 14, and then 15, that they might be with him and that he might then send them forth or send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. And so even as as um, called, anointed as the 12 were, they still were just earthly men just like us. And I love that the scripture gives the pattern that they didn't first go out and do these great miracles. The first call was, like you pointed out, Evan, to be with him. And it is out of that personal relationship where 
He does whisper by the Holy Spirit or, or prompt our heart and give us uh, boldness or one might say courage to open up and share with a coworker or that person that we play tennis with or, you know, um, whatever setting it might be, our neighbors. Uh, but as we do it and we share it from that personal uh, relationship and what he's done recently in our lives and how he changed everything, it really sets the stage people sense that genuineness, that it's not preachy, it's not a soapbox. And then you you gently begin to just make the overture to them that he, he'll do the same for anyone. He'll do it for you. If if you don't know him in this way, man, he, he longs to have a relationship with you. They almost never have I sensed anyone in my culture just straight up be rude. Although you could have that. Usually most, especially today with how confused the world is, and there's a, a void of truth. People sense genuineness and they sense truth. And man, the Holy Spirit starts working on their hearts as we share who Jesus is, who he's been to us. So I think that helps remove some of those obstacles that are already kind of trying to hit in our mind that the enemy would love to keep there in front of us in our mind space so that we never do the number one thing God wants done. And that's make Jesus aside from knowing him personally, then making him known to others. You know, I want to jump in right there. I, I, I didn't quite catch the scripture reference, but I'm wondering if the scripture you read is where you got this phrasing. I wrote this down inside the breakfast. You get you said there's we have two purposes. One is our personal purpose to know him, and the second uh, was the missional purpose to make him known. But, I mean, you're centering, you're running circles around the, that phrasing right there, just with that passage and even, even what you just talked about. I just wanted to drop that in there because I think that's a great way to say, you know, obviously that's been wordsmith, wordsmith wicked, if you will. <laughs> Bam, right there. Quote it, put it on social. But, I love yeah, it. so it's been uh, created in such a way, obviously it's memorable. I have it right there. I've looked at it a couple times. So, anyway, I just want to put yeah. that there. That I think that's that scriptural point where – um, and I, it sounds even like you're saying when we know him, when we make it that important, when we make that purpose important, making him known becomes a natural byproduct and something that flows out. It should be. It should be. I think the biggest, um, the bi- biggest obstacle after spending time in knowing him, I've known Christians and even in my own life, men had quiet times, drawn into him, drawn from him. And if we're not careful, we can create circles that are only others that are born again that that we connect with in that spiritual way. And then it really takes that first step of getting over that um, hill or hump of, man, I've never shared or I'm starting to figure out how to share with people that don't know him and aren't spiritual. And it is just taking the steps of of boldness, steps of courage, uh, what God made us as men to be straight on, to be, uh, you know, spiritual John Wick, so to speak, you know, that, hey, I'm, I'm not going to let the enemy bluff me down. I know how to use um, that which he's put in me. I know how to stand on the word of God. Um, and I'm going to open up in a genuine way. And I think sometimes people... Um, think mighty exploits have to be so compelling and awing and and many times sharing our faith it's just very simple and very authentic and genuine but in that is such pure strength because it shows it is him and not us and so when we do press into our personal purpose of knowing him you can't get close to the heart of Jesus, the heart of the master and the father God without feeling their heartbeat. And their heartbeat is souls, the lost, the unreached. That son, I know you now, you know me, we have relationship, but there's so many that I want to experience my love and to step into my presence and become sons and children of God, just like you. And I need you now. Only you can do this missional purpose of, of making me known in those ways to them. All right, I'm going to try to tie all this together because I've had a little bit of time to think about it. And so, you know, go with me on this journey. So the first, first kind of point that I want to 
pull out based on our conversations right here and, and just some other th- things that I was thinking about is like we think about God as a creator, right? And we, we think about him creating us for a purpose. I think I think we can also maybe take a step further and say that he was we were also created for relationship with him. That's like right. we, we we were created for to worship, we were created for that relational purpose. So when we share our testimony, when we when when we are in a situation where we have the opportunity to engage God's creation, other, these other people that are out there that maybe haven't heard God's uh, the the gospel, the good news, that the what He's done for us, that it is striking a chord. You called it um, when we have an, a, a when you when there's an encounter of salvation, it's supernatural, and we shouldn't discount that. And I think that maybe when you really dig deep, it's almost like we're unlocking something inside of them that they didn't necessarily know, but it was actually placed there by God. Like God created us for relationship. He created us uh, as beings that are, are meant to worship. And if we have not found that purpose yet, when somebody's walking up to you and having that conversation and, and starts digging into what God has actually placed inside of us, our, our, our spiritual, uh, supernatural encounter with God, I think it's naturally drawing them in because they're like, yes, I know that there's something here that has been intrinsically placed inside of me that I, I have not been able to tap into, and that's connecting with me. That's something that I'm, 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 I'm wanting to lean into and know more about because I, I haven't necessarily been able to find the answer to this. And so I think people are naturally drawn to that. And John, I'm sure you've, you've encountered that in whether it be across the street or across the world, as you begin to share your testimony or begin to share uh, the gospel that people are not, for the most part, push uh, in pushing you away. They're drawn to you because That's right. they were created for that. And I think that's that, it. Yeah. And just to tie it a little bit to the breakfast, because I, I think that's the one piece that it kind of it, it kind of just uh, I don't know, um, it, it pings me a little bit whenever we talk about it, because a lot of times like we'll have guys like you that are going to come to the breakfast and they're, they're going to walk in. And they're like, wow, there's a huge room of men in here that are getting up at early in the morning and and uh you know th- this is this is a spiritual movement i always go we're just eating breakfast john john like we we literally came here the food's good and we got a good speaker so like we we've had, we, we were pretty much bribed to it's be here true. now we paid for the most part to be there but you know that that's it but i always i always hear that and i'm just like man it's just a breakfast it's just a breakfast but ultimately yes it is just a breakfast but the brotherhood and, and everything that people are coming into, and this is where my challenge is to the audience and, and to anybody listening, is like, yes, you are attending a breakfast. Yes, you're listening to a podcast. But hopefully what we're doing is we're tapping into that missional purpose for you. We're, we're showing you what's possible. And we're, we're shining a light on the supernatural experience and supernatural encounter that is salvation where we have the ability to talk to people about their creator and what they were created for. And we're able to actually unlock something inside of them that they didn't even know was there. That's and we right. should have the boldness to go after that. So anyway, that's, that's kind of everything Man, I've been stewing on here for the last couple of minutes. I love it. That does tie so much together. And as you were saying that, Evan, it, the scripture just came to my heart. Um, it's Ecclesiastes three verse 11. And it says, also, uh, the second part of that verse, also he has put eternity in their hearts. And so that thing is already there in every human being. They know there's something beyond this life. Even if they've conditioned their mind to say, I'm an agnostic, I'm an atheist. No, deep in their hearts, it's already there. God put it in every human being because God's just, he's fair, and he wants salvation wrought and, and brought to every human being. He he wrought it. That's, you know, old King James. In other words, he worked <laughs> and accomplished it. Yeah. But then the brought side does fully depend on us following through with what he's already purchased and, and accomplished. He he left it in, in our hands to do, not alone. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit, was to give us boldness. And my heart is to open that door for men because why, why do why do almost every man in that breakfast room know, like if you were to bring up John Wick, almost every single one of us are going to know what we're talking, you're talking about. And I love how y'all started out the program with my name and John Wick. I mean, I, my boys have seen every episode, you know, <laughs> and, uh, 
It's because God put in us intrinsically, especially as men, this thing to do great exploits. That Daniel eleven thirty two, them that do know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits, not just exploits, but great exploits. And the more I've journeyed personally down this road, the more I've seen those exploits go to new levels. I've stood in Haiti and hunted down a voodoo priest. And in the midst of that, couldn't even get to where he lived in Besson Bleu, his little town community, because so many sick people were waiting for prayer. And God started healing them to the point that a little lady said, my husband couldn't be here. Can you come up to the side of the hill where he lives only five minutes away? Well, 30 minutes later, huffing and puffing. And I was able to coach one of our interns. We, we have a school of missions and a core internship where we really take the next generation and show them hands-on how to do these things. And, man, I just coached this young man. This this guy had atrophy in his legs. He had been there about a year and four months after a stroke, no medical real attention that made a difference if he had it. So he couldn't even move that leg. And we prayed for him, and my intern said, I'd never seen anything like this. Next thing you know, I said, go ahead and sit him up now. Have him try to move that leg. All of a sudden, the quad starts twitching as for the first time in a year and four months. And you can pull it up. This is part of the, an episode. We had about 30 of these episodes, not reality TV, but real TV from around the world that we produced. Well, by the time I got down to the voodoo priest, the village, all the village knew we were there. So a bunch of them turned out for this showdown and okay corral. You're putting them out <laughs> of business. Elijah style. Yeah, Elijah style. Yeah. And that's that's what I really began to see is we can have these Mount Carmel experience today, experiences today. So that was one of about five, six different um, witch doctors. In Africa, they're called witch doctors, Haiti voodoo priest, shaman deep in the Amazon jungle. In different episodes, we featured me hunting down the renowned, I hate to say it, the renowned, because they do operate in real power. It's dark power, it's demonic, but people will drive, like in Kenya, Africa, episode one, of that encounter, all this phenomenal ministry took place with my teams. I never take families or kids or teens out to this. I take my crew that's been with me a while, my staff and film crew that know what's up into these encounters. But, man, they said this guy, people drive 10, 12 hours to have this guy on the t- Kifara was his name, on the top of a mountain. He literally prospered so much doing this. The dark arts, people would pay him he would curse their competitors. They would get sick. They would have an accident. They would die. Crazy stuff. But the pastors I encountered, they said, man, no pastor, no minister in all of my country have I ever met that would dare come share with a voodoo priest or witch doctor. And I said, well, history's going to change right here and now, almost like that Marty McFly comment, you know, no McFly has ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. You know, <laughs> well, the history's going to change. I said, it's going to change because you're going to see it's possible. And then you're going to realize you got the same Jesus and same Holy Spirit in you to do exploits. And that's that's exactly, we didn't lead everyone to the Lord, but out of the five or six that we've done that with, there were two that's almost all of them said, I've never had someone come and share the gospel with me. And I mean, the voodoo priest, when it's worth a watch, if people have never seen that episode, go to globalventures.tv, pull it up. Because this guy goes, he said, you want to see my power? And he admitted, I can't heal anyone. I can only take the power, dark power I operate in. They give me a clothing item, and I, I project that power on them. And they would go running out of his, his domicile, arms flailing, screaming under that power. But he said, no, I haven't ever opened a blind eye or caused crippled legs to work. He admitted it, but he said, you want to see my power? And he went into this trance-like thing and went and grabbed like sticks off his fire right outside his domicile and started eating the embers off the ends of the stick, like right there in front of us. But the villagers knew he couldn't work miracles and he couldn't intimidate them while I was there. He tried to. So the rest of the village, including his own mom and dad, renounced voodoo right in front of him and dedicated their lives and then their village to Jesus because they had seen Jesus's real power heal people, do what this voodoo priests and the witch doctors can't do with dark power. And so I know here in America, that's like a far stretch for, a, you know, hey, is this Chris Angel or, my, you know, it's a mind bend. 
um, thing. This is talking about spiritual forces and things like that. And, and it's not sleight of hand. It's not an illusionist. I just shared an illusion, illusion, a name of an illusionist. But it's very, very genuine and very real. So I want to crack open the door for folks like at incredible groups like Brotherhood to see, hey, I do have an S on my chest. I was made to do great things. And if men that know Jesus and are Christ followers just can start getting in motion, sharing here and there, all of a sudden, one of you said it, the realm of possibility begins to open. And they realize, hey, I can take three steps more than I just did with the guy on the job, Matt, that you began to share with. I can share a little bit farther the next encounter with someone like that or with a neighbor. And the next thing you know, people are being led to Jesus. People are responding. Healings and miracles are happening, or maybe a word of knowledge where the gifts of the Spirit begin to enlighten our heart about something that person's going through, just like Jesus did with the woman at the well. Yeah, you've been with five men, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. That read her mail and caused her heart to open in John 4 to the point that she was like, whoa, there's something way deeper going on here than this man just asking me for a natural drink of water. He's got something I desperately need that's spiritual, spiritual water. And I think each and every man that knows Christ has that just like each and every human being has eternity in their hearts. Man, that needs to connect with the God, the S, the supernatural Holy Spirit that's in every one of our hearts as we share Jesus with them. That's well said. That's really well said. Uh, Just the part. So that ignites. And yet you're obviously a very gifted speaker, but that ignites in me that courage that you talked about earlier to kind of move the ball a little bit forward. I, I just, to be yeah. honest about my personality, I'm not a big leap personality. Like I'm not, I was taught to think big because it seemed like in the nineties, that's all they taught us in Christianity. Like, uh, oh, your, your dream's not so big. That guy, only God can do it. It's not big enough. You remember those guys? Yeah. Jeez. So Anyway, there, there's my that one the power episode. Team? Is that what that was? <laughs> oh, that, that's that everybody. Power team? Every youth pastor, every every everybody that came to Tulsa said that. So right? true. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yes. So, I fortunately was had to practice thinking big there, but my base level is like inch by inch, like just push the ball forward a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and that's a that's a good picture of like share a little bit. And rather than you almost quit and retreat because you're like, well, that was terrible. That was yeah. like, no, that's true. That, was, that yeah. was just an epic failure. You you see it as like, okay, well, I got that part out today. Like that yeah. came out natural. You know, I you know I even just the other day, I I had to um I well I had to let a guy, guy go. And man, I, it was not what I wanted to do. But I just told myself, man, as soon as you leave here, I'm gonna pray that God helps you find another position, another spot. And in my heart, like, I thought, okay, that, I, just, I just moved it forward. I think I just did a little bit outside of my own comfort zone. And, but then, you know, you, you battle back and forth with, like, yeah, what did that do? Like, that guy thinks you're a jerk. Like, anyway, <laughs> um, that's uh, – it was true, and I did right after that. And I really meant that. You know, it was just yeah. – so, long story short, moving that inch by inch, pushing a little bit forward each time helps a guy out like me who's like – just making huge jumps is a difficult endeavor sure my personality or however maybe it's maybe i need to change how i think i don't know but that's that's where i'm at i love that matt i think that describes most men uh most people i because let's be real i mean we don't want to we don't want to jump out there and do something we're not going to have a win with or success with. We're not going to want to hit the wall and fail and fail again. I love how you said it, though, once you took that step. Hey, I got out there. I did it. Got that under my belt. Now I can go a little bit farther. I think that's most people. And once they start taking those baby steps or inch by inch, as you said, I think they be, God meets them because that's all God needs is someone that's willing to inch out there. And then he meets them. And then all of a sudden, it's maybe beyond an inch to inch. Maybe it's six inches, and then he's taking them. Come on, you can step a foot. Next thing you know, you look at the life of Peter. The dude went from being a sinful man with unclean hands, and I'm not worthy for you to be on my boat, to, man, he got to the point that he was so willing to get out there. I'm going to walk out on the water with you, Jesus, if that's really you. 
And I think, though it starts, just like you described, that's well put, Matt. Yeah, I think that ties back into the the, the being with him role because ultimately mm. if if we're not plugged into that we're, we're not this isn't even top of mind right like a lot of these things it, I, I would say if i had gone to brotherhood breakfast and we weren't talking about global missions and reaching the gospel all across the world and going to brazil and all those different things like that's not even on my radar <laughs> but I, I i think that um you know the the goal is to com- to continually push that right so marty talked about it we, we talked about this earlier we're called we ha- we're called for a purpose but we didn't really go real deep into what that purpose is. And, and some of it is like personal purpose, which we've already talked about, but hopefully this, this conversation here and, and, uh, and John's message to the brotherhood earlier this, this month is, is maybe awakening a fire in, in some people. And Matt, it sounds like it's, it's been awakened in you. So this is a big moment. I'm, I'm really excited for you. I knew, listen, this is, I knew I wouldn't get out of here without that. This is, this is good. I, you know, maybe don't fire everybody before you talk to them about Jesus. Maybe like, <laughs> You know, just build up the guys that you got on the team too. Like, uh, you know, you're you're yeah, sending them into the world. I might try that. Is, yeah, is yeah. I don't think that's the best witnessing strategy. I mean, it's I, I, hey, listen, hey, you got to go. Jesus loves you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it has like the impact that you were looking for, but you know, I I do like where your heart was because I think God can work with that, right? Like, it's those baby steps and it's it's moving forward. And I think that analogy of, of Peter uh, is a perfect analogy because. You know, God, God uses people where they're at and God meets people where they're at. John, you talked about that in, in the yeah. breakfast too. And, you know, for, for me, it's, uh, all right, God, where, where am I at right now? Like wh- what's my next step? And, um, I'll talk about this a little bit. Um, so Matt, I saw you at rooted. We're doing the, uh, the brotherhood book rooted and, mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, mid-sized group that we're doing. It's been really, really great. And it's, man foundational so brothers if you haven't plugged into that whenever we do a mid-sized group this is just a you know general plug hop into that because it's really an ex- uh, extension of brotherhood uh you know i i noticed that especially at brotherhood and even rooted too guys will hang out afterwards like we're just looking for excuses we're just looking for reasons uh to get together as a, as a community and that's that's a fantastic one to do i, I know it's a, a stretch and you know we're talking about some pretty deep personal stuff sometimes and it's it's tough to get vulnerable and and uh and get to that point where you can really open up about those things. But rooted, I'm actually leading a table, and uh, so I get a little bit of view into the future. And we're we're putting a real big emphasis on your testimony, and just the willingness to share it and to maybe craft it a little bit, maybe uh, think about it to where like I, I would talk about it, in, it to somebody, not necessarily like because I want it to be, you know, this beautiful thing, but we want to get to the point where we're able to share our testimony. And and for me my testimony is not sexy, right? Like it's, uh, I was a kid, I was, uh, you know, grew up in a Christian home and, and, uh, grew up in church. And so the decision for me was pretty easy. You know, God at that time dying for my sins was not too, like, it wasn't like a, a hefty price. Like he maybe could have cut off a finger or something. It didn't have to be the full blown <laughs> crucifixion, you know, but you know that, but, but that, that was kind of my story. Um, but I had to kind of take a step back from that and say, okay, you know, that's my testimony. It's probably not going to resonate with somebody, but it, like my, my t- testimony doesn't have to be really elaborate for it to still have power because I, I was saved for something. My story started generationally with my yes. father. My father, uh, you know, his his life was completely different than mine. And like when he made that choice, he made a generational change in his lineage. Mm-hmm. And I'm the benefactor of that. And my kids are the benefactor of that. So... When, when you think a little bit more about your testimony, sometimes you got to dig a little bit deeper and like, and go, okay, God, where's your power in this? And, mm. and how can I connect that to, you know, whoever I'm, I'm talking to, but on the same side of it, just looking at just everybody around us. And I think we've talked about this a little bit <laughs> in this podcast is God, show me people as you see them, not as I see them. Cause I see them as jerks, opinionated, inconveniences in my way and uh, that's just Matt but there's other people that are in my life Uh, like family that I have that I struggle to get along with right and I'm just like God I need to be able to see them as you see them because like in rooted this last week there was a a dedicated time of prayer and uh, one of my key takeaways from that that prayer time that just you know speaking with God and listening to God one of my key takeaways was just be light just be my light and be that to anybody that you encounter. And it wasn't 
a booming voice. It wasn't, uh, you know, this huge revelation to me, but it, it really impacted me. It was imprinted on me. It's like, all right, God, you haven't called me to do maybe the great exploits that, that Matt's doing or that John's doing, but what you've called me to be is to be light to other people. And that light is going to, uh, shine into other people's lives and give me the opportunity to, to speak to other people about you. If I can do that, then I feel like that I'm, t- I'm tapping into my mission purpose that you talked about. Evan, that's, that's really good. I think, I think the key is exactly like you said it. When people realize, uh, men realize I am the light. I need to shine that forth. And then as they are being the light that they then take that opportunity to speak the old adage used to be, hey, just live it. And men, like there's an old Francis of Assisi quote that I actually disagree with. And it's uh, in all places and at all times, and I might be butchering the quote, uh, but he said, in all places at all times, preach the gospel. And if you must use words, um, in other words, he's saying, just live the life before people. And I couldn't, I could not disagree more because our world is so messed up us being good, us shining the light is one thing. It may attract, it may get people's attention, but then what you said, Evan, is so powerful, then sharing what that light is because there's such misconception, such lack of knowledge. We're, we're about a generation or two uh, away now of being um, a Christian America, unfortunately, uh, where people are becoming more like India, China, Thailand, some of the areas that I've gone to and we go to where people have never heard the gospel one time. Well, we're starting to see that more and more in America. And the only way to change that, Paul said by the Holy Spirit, God's reserved it to the foolishness, or we would say the simplicity of preaching, of sharing who Jesus is. And Romans 10, 9 and 10, how can they call unless they've heard and believed and they can't hear and believe unless there is someone that's a, a preacher, a, someone that declares. So I think that's where the breakdown can come is people think, well, I'm going to I'm going to do this. But then the enemy talks them out of then sharing. And those two things you mentioned added together, you, people may never come on the other side of the world and stand on a crusade festival platform. But if they'll do that in all their spheres of influence, no, no, don't get me wrong. I believe every Christian, every Christ follower, and if I'd had more time, I might have put this out there. I believe every single Christ follower, especially men, should purpose in their heart at least once in their lifetime, and especially if you have a family, to come on a 10-day trip that is a soul-winning mission trip, not a humanitarian aid trip. Anyone can do humanitarian aid, even the unsaved but where we're doing what Jesus said do by sharing the gospel beyond our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, somewhere out beyond and in that aspect of go to the world, because not only is it fulfillment of doing that, but it actually changes you. It gets you out of a comfort zone that you're used to, a culture you're used to, and you begin to see that there is that S on your chest. You are made to be a superman a supernatural man, a supernatural person, and you're dealing with, you're speaking to interpreters, different culture, you get so far out there. And it's why we design trips for men, for the family, for people from all walks of life. And it's why they're not watching and assisting us. We're actually putting the tools in their hands because it brings such transformation. When they see that little boy healed and his eyes open for the first time, like David, that blind, that kid that had the blind right eye in Thailand, David, my younger son. And he was only, what, 13 when that happened. Um, it not only changed and impacted him in a greater way, but all that Thai school then was set up to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. But then David came back to America with a greater confidence of, I can share any place, anytime, anywhere, because Jesus did this and it was actually through me. And so when we take those steps like I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna reach out on the work on on the job across the street with neighbors but if we get really daring hey I'm gonna plan a mission trip it's only 10 days we all do a vacation every now and again that's about that length of time 
what it does is it actually will take us personally or our families if we go with son or daughter or, or by ourselves even whatever it takes us to a, a place we haven't been and then we come back with a higher level of confidence it honestly it's why we started global ventures global ventures wasn't our original ministry name it was our mission trips it's we saw so much transformation happen in believers lives that we're like how can we not offer offer this opportunity to others it's so transformative and connecting people with their missional purpose on the planet as Christ followers and taking them to the next level. We've got to do this for others. And it's been one of the greatest joys actually for my life. My wife says the same. Uh, we love doing it ourselves, but probably even a greater joy is seeing others help others step into that and them realize, whoa, this isn't rocket science. This is what I was made for, some of those exploits. John, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast, sharing a little bit deeper about what we talked about here and having a little fun with us too. But uh, I believe, uh, yeah, that, that last point kind of ties in perfectly to, to what you're currently doing. So I'll just go ahead and give the website. Globalventures.tv is, is the website if you, if you want to take John up on that opportunity. There's obviously a lot of different organizations out there doing similar th- or doing some sort of thing, but uh, this is the one that's obviously near and dear to John's heart. So we are honored that you're here on the podcast, honored that you were able to speak to our group and, and really encourage the brotherhood, challenge the brotherhood to take that next step or, you know, move an inch like, like Matt said. So, you know, we're, we're here to uh, just keep moving the goalposts and keep getting our, ourselves to that point where we're, we're striving uh, to tap into that missional purpose that God's placed in our hearts. So brothers, remember, honor all people, Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.